welcome to For All Mankind, the podcast, a podcast by mums for mums. My name is Pamela and in each episode I sit down and chat with a mum about motherhood, the ups and downs and everything in between. Today's guest is a global award-winning hairstylist, owner of the Pilo Hair Salons, she's the creator of the Voodoo's Hair Tools and she's mum to Beth and stepmum to Ellie. It's Denise Phillips. Hey. Hello there. <laughs> Hi. How are you doing? Great. Fabulous. So... I'm going to bring you back to when you were 28. Okay. And you just found out that you were infertile? I was about 25. 25, so even younger? Yeah. Okay. And what, like for anyone, generally, at 25, we're not even thinking about babies. So what, what, were you in a place in your life where you were like, actually, I want to start a family? Absolutely. I always wanted to be a mother. Um, I came off the pill I actually had a miscarriage okay. and I came off the pill and since I came off the pill I never got a period so I never had a natural period so they tried a lot of different they just uh, trying to regulate my periods as such was impossible when I was on the pill I used to have a bleed and then another bleed so I could bleed possibly twice I never had a regular cycle ever since day one and um, I was quite late getting my period as in I think I was 15 and I actually was quite late losing my virginity as well so I was a late starter in the whole kind of sex sort of way so when I came off the pill yeah I never got a natural period and I obviously went to the doctor because I hadn't had a period and then they investigated and they tried, told me not to worry and, you know, said, you know, there's no, you know, it could regulate itself, it will come back, it's because you were on the pill for a few years. I think I was on the pill about six years at that stage. And, um, yeah, <laughs> never did come back and never regulated. But they tried me on cer- certain drugs then when I did want to actually conceive. Clomid never even brought a period on for me. And it was about two years of public investigations that they re- referred me to a well woman's clinic okay. in Newbridge in which they kind of done a little bit more extreme tests and a little bit more invasive tests and still put me on more natural as you would say drugs and I still hadn't got a period so I was kind of I kind of spent two or three years I think getting tests done between gynecologists and people thinking I had different sort of diseases like I was very very slim I was very I was after going through a very traumatic time of losing my boyfriend after five years so there was lots of different reasons why they were saying all of these different things were kind of happening with my body but we'll probably never know if they were or weren't true because I'm at a really healthy point in my life now and I still haven't had a period yeah okay so I think it's like 11 years since I've had a period maybe even longer Possibly, yeah, I'm 35 now. I can't even remember the time of having a period. So when I was 25, they, they did say to me I was obviously going to have issues getting pregnant. Yeah. And then at, I think it was about 27 or 28, they said to me, you're a fertile. Yeah, okay. you're a fertile. So, yeah, then I knew I was going to have to have IVF well I was hoping that I would be able to have IVF in order to have a child I didn't know at that stage whether that was even possible yeah when you're told you're infertile you automatically and at this point had they investigated that you had 
eggs and that that was present so they could never tell what time my cycle was at because my eggs were too small okay so they're non-existent without drugs so if i was to be scanned right now i'm hollow there's nothing, nothing inside of me yeah but yet with drugs they can actually stimulate my own eggs yeah so i think my eggs are like three in size where they should be like 16 17 to ovulate yeah so I'll never ovulate on my own and also um, I have no lining in my womb so when they actually put the cameras inside of me there's no lining so even if the eggs were there and they became naturally big enough and mixed with you know sperm and whatever else the reason I miscarried was because I had no line and so there was nothing there to attach. Yeah, to hold it. So I I have all all of the issues that you could possibly think of, I have. <laughs> and so you did all that investigation and then you're okay you're at a point where you're okay I'm gonna need IVF. Mm-hmm. And how did you choose a clinic then to go with? I wanted the best clinic with the best choice because I believe that the clinics that offer the best choice are the most educated and the most advanced. So when I looked into the uh, Marcus, the Sims Clinic had the most choice. They had the highest doctors, they had the highest tests, some of the tests that other clinics don't offer, they did. They were obviously the most expensive to come with that, but the best doctors worked there. So I went to a free open day and from there that was just that was the start of my journey i got a good feeling when i walked in look at to be honest with you all the clinics are the same they're all out there doing a job yeah they're all out there providing a service they have to make money they have to provide a good service and they have to give results so no matter what clinic you choose they're all out there trying to do the same thing yeah and you had nine rounds of ivf so i had iui and ivf yeah. okay will i explain do yeah so IUI is, they say the more natural form of IVF and lots of us try the IUI first because we feel it's the more natural. What happens is you go, you, with IVF or IUI, the doctors completely stop your body and put it into a menopausal state. So they can control the eggs growing, the lining of your womb, they control everything that's happening and they monitor everything that's happening. Whether it's IUI or IVF, both are the same. However, with IUI, when the eggs are big enough, you take a trigger injection, which releases the eggs. At the same time, the sperm is injected into you, or you have sexual intercourse, one or the other, and they hope they've pinpointed the exact time for the egg to meet the sperm to become an embryo. With IVF, all of the exact same things happen, only you do your trigger injection and they remove the eggs from your womb and they mix it with the sperm of your partner or your donor in an incubator, in a lab, they fertilize it and then they implant it back in when the womb is ready. Two, to be honest with you, they're, in my opinion, they're both exactly the same and it really kind of grinds my teeth when women say, oh, I only done IUI. It's just as invasive. Yeah. Your sweats are the same, your drug intake is practically the same and it's as hard in your mind as IVF to be honest with you I go through IVF quicker than I go through IUI because you've 
a little the doctors have more control over what's happening so there's I feel there's a better chance of me conceiving with IVF than there obviously is with IUI yeah because with the IUI and I have had IUI successfully with my daughter Alice so I suppose I have a good understanding of it and but I only did one round so I did one and it worked Amazing. and we went in there really like looking at the stats which aren't favourable when you start you know really drilling into it and I kind of went this is so not going to work and maybe that laissez-faire attitude towards it I really was like okay I'm going to do this round of IUI I'll do another round of IUI and now I'm going to have to do IVF yeah. so we weren't looking at IUI's success at all we were looking down the road of this is where we're going to have to go mm-hmm. and then it worked but it is like you, you're, you know you're at home you're doing your injections you're doing your trigger it's it is a, it's it's almost half of, like for IUI and IVF your physical body is doing the exact same thing it's just it's the end bit that IUI everything stays inside you IVF it comes out and goes back in so IVF is the artificial insemination or whatever outside so everything with IVF happens outside of the body and with IUI happens inside of the body yeah I done uh, three rounds of the sims I done three with another clinic because sims only recommend that you do three and then they, they want you to do IVF because if yeah. you've had three failed IUIs they do if I had to tell myself now I probably would have just went straight to IVF and there's a big cost difference between the two yeah huge so like IUI generally like this is a very general but it's about a thousand maybe two and a half is it two and a half it depends on the test that you have this to is, have yeah I suppose excluding the test because you can have you can start like if you're starting off at the very start there's a lot of investigation that they have to do yeah and then the cost of the IU so there yeah there's like you basically almost get a menu don't you like there's like there's a pricing structure and you <laughs> you really have to look at all of it like don't focus in on one part of it because oh, God, the investigations and, all, and the tests that all like it's yeah to make sure that you've um, no HIV that test yes. has to be done each time each time yeah especially because you or your partner could have went out and had sexual intercourse in between and they have to make sure that they're not so that test is quite it could be a couple of hundred euros and that when you're going with an expensive clinic everything is that little 50 or 100 dearer than the yeah. other clinics so yeah it does but you'll find the money yeah you'll find it from somewhere and you are actually quite passionate about this because you know you've said before Ireland and Lithuania are the only two countries in the whole of the EU who don't have funding for IVF and even though infertility is classed as a disease it's not considered really now Simon Harris has brought in our health minister saying that he is going to bring in funding for it but that was announced I think about (laughs) two years ago and like we're no closer no. to seeing that happening. Do you know what? I actually feel like crying when I speak about this because I, I have two senses on it. And some people might feel that I'm a little bit harsh. I come from a normal family that I never got any help with any of my IVF. So I worked two jobs and so did my husband. We live in a normal house. I had normal, we had normal jobs. Um, so I always think there is a way. If you want it bad enough, there is a way. So that in one sense. But in another sense, I feel like because it's an emotional and a financial difficulty, that that's why it drains you doubly. That if there was only a financial part of it, or if there was only an emotional part of it, it wouldn't be as bad. But when it's two put together, it's horrendous. Yeah. 
and that's putting it mildly. We were 20,000 euros in debt when I was pregnant on my daughter Beth. I paid her loan off week by week as I was pregnant or month by month. When she was about eight months, I opened my salon and that was when my loan was finished. I paid my loan off. And it was because I literally went back to work a few weeks after she was born. But I just feel that Ireland is way behind in so many, so many senses when it comes to infertility. So much. I have so much to share on it, but it, it takes so much out of me when I, when I share that kind of stuff because I, I feel so sad about it. I feel so sad for women out there not being able to get help with something as important as being infertile and whether it's secondary infertility or infertility I've had all I've, I'm infertile and then because people see me with Beth they don't think that I'm infertile I now have secondary infertility I've had one grade A fail since her and I've done a round of drugs as well so I've done two full rounds of drugs since Beth um, so my infertility doesn't need me because I have Beth I'm, I'm an infertile 35 year old woman that struggles with her infertility sometimes sometimes not but um, I feel that there's no voice out there for women and I feel that it's such a lonely road I just can't believe that Ireland doesn't recognise it as a disease like I mean it's as important as any other disease out yeah. there yeah and it, it takes such it has takes a, such a stronghold on a family as well as the person yeah and there are so many couples out there who are struggling and you do really struggle in silence because it's not really something you can talk about and even when like you should talk about it but I think when you're going through it because there's so much hope you kind of don't want to share it but well, this is how I suppose how I feel is that you don't really want to share that you're doing it because you have your own internal hope you obviously have the hope of your family like your yourself and your husband yourself and your partner that it will work and then you're waiting and then it may not work and if you feel like if you've shared it you're People sharing like, well the, yeah I'm like no, I'm not the like, fan I'm not the fan yeah and you know like it's once or twice you might be like oh but if you're deep you know if you're deep into it and you're having fail after fail if you don't want to share that like you know no you it's should like but it's, no one wants it, to share their fails no like it's it's so funny because it's kind of like Instagram you don't want to put up your child when there's snots all over their face and they're like like having a tantrum on the ground nor do you want to put yourself on when you're in that state yeah it's totally human yeah totally it can touch any of us I think infertility is like one of those things that doesn't matter who you are what you do where you're from it can just pop into your life and you don't even realise it and you can have this hopes and dreams of having a family and you're completely ignorant to the fact that Definitely, you could have yeah. issues and I suppose I always say we spend our 20s trying not to get pregnant and our 30s <laughs> trying to get pregnant and if we knew in our 20s how hard it was going to be in our 30s yeah. Yeah. your IVI rounds was there anything did you feel anything different on the round that you conceived with Beth no nothing no and was anything different like I, medically I believed I believed I was pregnant on every single round really so it's so mad like because Mark I, I used to like Throw the pregnancy bit, obviously test in the bin, but I go out and check it again, like in six case. hours later, because I'm like, no, I really am pregnant. Like, I believed so much that I would become pregnant, that it was so devastating for me to to, to keep going, but I couldn't stop. And um, I can't 
like all of the rounds kind of go into a blur and all of the time people ask me like what did you do differently on Beth I Mark said I said it was my last round Mark said that I said this is our last round I can't at least for a break because I done back to back I didn't take a break that's intense I don't because I have no period I never even got a period when I'd have a failed go it was it's, it's mad like even after I gave birth to Beth, when I finished breastfeeding, I didn't get a period. Yeah. I think I, I think I had a spot or whatever. But anyway, um, I went back to back cycles on Beth, and Mark said to me that I said, she, Beth was frozen like, and I said this is the last one. I need a break after this. I was, I was just exhausted. I was so tired. I was emotionally drained. I wasn't myself. Like, I felt like my whole life had been taken from me. Like my, yeah. pro- my previous three years had just been taken from me. I can't even remember half of it. I remember being miserable, like, through all my IVFs. But, um, yeah, Mark said that I said it was my last one, so maybe, <laughs> this boy's out mad, but my granny, who I was very, very close to, who Beth's named after, she was a nun before she married, and then she ended up having eight children. But anyway, we were very, very close, and she died just a few months before I had Beth. And she used to say to me, are you pregnant, Yes obviously she was really holy and I was like no granny I can't get pregnant will you please stop asking me like she's like oh god we'll send you one and I used to say the only the only time that I think I'll get one is when you go up to heaven so you'll send me one down and I remember after she died I said oh finally I'm gonna get my child now like I'm finally gonna get my baby now and I always promised her I'm gonna have a little girl I'm gonna name her after you so she never got to meet Beth because she was she was dead over a year by the time Beth came but I do believe also then smoking I gave up so I smoked all through all of my cycles and the January before I had Beth so six months prior to having Beth I gave up smoking and six months to the day I got pregnant and the statistics show that the effects that fertility that smoking have on your fertility it takes six months to undo them yeah so the January the 1st I gave up and on June the 21st I found out I was pregnant on Beth so the smoking is the only physical or medical yeah. difference that I do in my cycles, and then obviously my maybe when my granny was in heaven. <laughs> Everything just cycles. kind of aligned. Yeah. And going through IVF, it's aside from the cost and the emotion level. Like there's a lot of time off work as well. You know, getting your scans done and. How did you manage that? I went to half six in the morning. You got the early appointment. I drove to the Sims. I remember having mental breakdowns if they told me the early appointment was gone. Now, when I tell you mental breakdowns, I mean fully crying, saying, I can't go any other time. What do you mean? Work are going to know that I'm mm-hmm. doing IVF. I used to get up. Most of the time on my own, because Mark worked early, drive to the Sims. I had to get scanned every two days. Because if I went oh my going left injections were four hundred and fifty. The normal is one fifty. Yeah. And if I went too high, I'd ovulate and my the whole cycle is gone. Be gone, yeah. Um. Or uh, sometimes I was sl- very slow. They'd have to up me to to all sorts. So I had to be scanned every two days. So I was that clinic knew me backwards and forwards. Um. Yeah. And then when after Beth on my after that cycle I was self-employed so I was probably a little bit more flexible yeah. with time yeah. and I was I told the world because there was a film crew following me but um, yeah I went to half six in the morning 
both and, there to the Sims. And like that's again another factor that people have to. Mm. I it it's I just actually we, like I it's such a stressful time and there's all these factors that even going into it you are not aware of, but there are scans and then you've got you have to be your injections at the same time every night in the evening and. It's just it's so overwhelming, you know. It's and I suppose with you, for anyone that's in an IVF journey, or a fertility journey. You had the success, and it kind of shows that, hopefully, for people that it shines a light that. It can go right. Yeah. Oh, it's like anything, you know. I feel very lucky that I have Beth. Like I literally wake up in the morning. I and think oh my god how lucky are we like yeah so lucky because i meet so many women every single day in my salon and online that are struggling and i remember that struggle i never forget it. i remember the struggle like it was yesterday and it's hard and it's lonely and not many people understand everyone's life is so so busy mm-hmm. And that's so understandable that, you know, it's hard to give somebody the sympathy or the empathy that they need going through IVF. I mean, it's very hard for a relationship to survive. Yeah. I, me and Mark's marriage almost finished. And I meet so many women that their marriage has finished because of us. You blame each other. You begrudge each other. I don't know begrudge is the right word, but like if Mark was going out drinking, I'd be like, oh, your sperm's going to have to be taken. And yeah. it, it's funny, like, but it's so serious. Yeah. The IUI, they have to perform. They do. Thank God Mark never had a problem doing that. But they have to perform at 8 o'clock on the dot. And if they don't, your cycle is gone. Yeah. Like, that is such a huge pressure on a man. Like, yeah. We have, like, you've got this little tiny window to have sex or the last six weeks of my life have been for nothing like oh uh, like if Mark even attempted to ask me to go for a meal through my cycle or anything I'd be like how dare you ask me do you not know that I have to do this oh it's just you become the worst version of yourself and you're, you're so not even desperate. yourself because <laughs> You're pumped full of drugs as well. Do you know what I mean? Swollen belly. People are constantly saying, are you pregnant? No, I'm just in the middle of an IVF cycle. (laughs) It's, yeah, it's so tough. So, so tough. So on your 30th birthday, Mm -hmm. you found out you were pregnant. Mm -hmm. Like, what a gift. So, yeah, my party that day, and I don't drink. So I said, I'm not actually going to take the test before the party because my birthday would be ruined I probably would have just wrecked the place and cancelled the party and just like yeah. just went into a hole somewhere so I was like I'm not going to cancel the party I had the party and I went home at like 2 or 3 a.m. and done the test and I was just I remember Mark broke the bed he was like jumping on the bed and I was kind of I always wanted to be pregnant before my 30th that was your that was yeah so you're two weeks you're actually four weeks pregnant when you do t- so yeah it's two weeks since your transfer but it's actually you're actually a month pregnant pregnant yeah, yeah. so yeah that was the day that and something i really struggled with was when i found out i was pregnant i always 
felt that we were so lucky that like was this real life Mm-hmm. So I always questioned. So every time I went for a scan, and they were like, "Oh, it's everything's progressing." I was always very quiet, and the nurses were looking at me, going, "Why is she not happy?" But I, for every scan I did, I was waiting for the news to say, "Yeah, it's not there anymore." And I think it was actually giving birth to Alice that kind of finally went, "Yeah, this actually happened to me. This actually worked." So I had a very, I took very little photos while I was pregnant, because yeah. in my head. I this wasn't to happen to me yeah. so I didn't want photos I didn't uh, yeah I, I was it was a f- I look back now and I kind of wish I had embraced it more mm. but my mental state at the time I was so nervous yeah. so nervous every single day I was nervous I was never when the kick started happening I kind of relaxed a little bit because I kind of went okay she's okay she's there and I used to eat certain foods and drinks at certain times of the day to trigger her like grapes in the morning or like yeah. a cold drink so I knew she was okay oh like that's God. how alert and I was so kind of like this is not yes this has happened but I don't believe this has happened to me so did your pregnancy did you fully embrace it or were you really I nervous for you I was the most beautiful pregnant woman you'd ever seen honest to God it was so gorgeous I, uh, I gave up work I said do you know what I'm not going back to work now. I'm just going to enjoy this pregnancy. So I was like, I'm not working for long enough. So I didn't work. I left Peter Marks. I did my whole nine months. I set up a little salon beside my house. And I was a very healthy, pregnant woman. Um, I always, uh, do you know what? I actually envisioned Beth to the exact way she was. I'd known boys, names, pictures. I never found out what I was having. Um, I I didn't would you believe I didn't mind not that I didn't mind that's probably wrong I wasn't thinking what if I lose her because all I was thinking is I'm pregnant this is just amazing if anything I'm getting to experience pregnancy Yeah. so I'm just going to take it day by day and experience every single day as it comes so Beth was breach she was lying on my rib cage. I went to acupuncture. I wore tight clothes. I just was glowing. And I wasn't nervous about losing her because I knew I could get pregnant. And I knew that that was one step closer to yeah. becoming a mom. Yeah. So I was like, what will be, will be. I'm just going to roll this out and enjoy each day. And every morning I woke up, I got up, got dressed, done, I done hair. I had Beth on the Thursday and I worked till the Saturday before I had her. I was shuffling <laughs> to and from clients. Um, so yeah, I was high risk. I was high risk till I was 16 weeks. So they kept a very, very close. And I loved it. I loved the attention. I loved going up, getting all the scans. I loved the day they said to me, you're not high risk anymore. Um, I wasn't allowed to have a water birth because I didn't actually know this until the day I was giving birth to Beth the umbilical cord doesn't detach naturally because it's actually been implanted into you so it's too dangerous to have a natural birth but I gave birth to her naturally uh, sorry a water birth you're not allowed to have a water birth when you have IVF but I gave Beth birth to her naturally 24 hours and the detaching of the umbilical cord was worse than having her 
they actually thought they were after going to have to um, like have an operation they couldn't actually detach it because you've got to remember with IVF it's actually implanted in there okay so solidly yeah yeah it's crazy I didn't actually even realize I never that. heard that yeah. yeah yeah they were they were tugging for a good while for the, yeah for the placenta or you know yeah. the afterbirth yeah it doesn't not in all cases but that's why they don't allow you to have the water birth okay hmm. so you bring Beth home finally you're a mum and what what has it been like since is it is it as you imagined more more yeah isn't it like it's amazing it, cha- it changes a person overnight yeah you become the best version of yourself I feel yeah you become the least selfish version of yourself you become everything that I find that you become the nicest person because you want to teach them to be nice so when you're being a bit of a bitch you're like oh god I wouldn't like somebody to do that to my child or I wouldn't like that my child to do that so therefore I'm going to stop myself so I definitely think that become the best version of yourself and so Beth is now four, four. and she started school yeah. and do you still have one embryo one embryo one, one little ice baby so yeah I'd say it's going to be January I put it off so much like so many times literally it's not because the timing isn't right it's because I'm so happy I'm so yeah. content with what I have right now that I'm afraid to like jinx it I went into a really dark place after the last fail when they told me I might possibly have killer cells I struggled so hard um, my marriage struggled really bad at the same time um, and I was I was quite unhappy like I'd say when Beth was about two till she was maybe two and a half I went through a, a tough little time in, in our home like and I was like I'm like why why do you want to do this other embryo like what's the reason but I think our next step could possibly be adopted. Really? We, yeah. Like I've so I, I feel we've so much love to give and I don't I know that I don't necessarily need it to be my own embryo. I know I'm a stepmom and the love I have for my stepdaughter is just the exact same as the love I have for Beth. Different but the same. Yeah. So I feel like we are at the moment really and I haven't even told we haven't told anybody that far our initial family yeah we'd love to adopt there is room there is room in our house for more love (laughs) there's definitely more room in your heart yes absolutely and for anyone that's wondering about a frozen embryo so was that gathered at an IVF and they froze it because at that time I suppose it was your it's a younger egg than you currently have okay so that is a frozen embryo yeah so what happens is with IVF just say for instance you have 16 eggs and you fertilize the sperm and they have to fertilize so in my cycles normally six fertilized with marked sperm which is quite low compared to 16 healthy eggs you know and I'll just give you an instance bet cycle so six fertilized with marked sperm and then they bring them into the lab and they go to day three blast or day five blast under a microscope day three cell is it's it has a good a three day embryo has a good few cells maybe ten cells I don't know the medical person will tell you the exact amount 
but with day three to five it quadruples thousands of cells like so under a microscope a day three embryo it can still survive and then a day five embryo is a baby let's say okay so there's a lot more chance of survival because the cells are so more advanced so day three to day five there's no comparison if you've seen the two of them under a microscope you'd be like oh my god so with that cycle one survived to day five the rest of them died okay that was beth but because i have to take so much medication my ovaries and my womb over i'm 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 like nine months pregnant so for them to do a transfer a fresh transfer the chance of survival in my womb will be very little because it's so there's so much going on in there so in order for them the best survival rates they freeze beth into a freezer and then they start just getting my womb ready which means the next few days of my of everything leaving my system and then they just have to concentrate on getting my lining precise yeah. for the transfer when I had Beth and I went for a fresh cycle I'll just give you an example so the fresh cycle directly after her well it was whenever she was 18 months I think I think she was 18 months yeah they got six uh, 16 eggs, 6 fertilised with mark sperm and 2 survived so they decided to go ahead with a fresh transfer so a grade A embryo 5 day last went into me and didn't survive so I believe that because in my situation there's so much drugs and there's so much to try and rectify that the frozen cycles are better for me okay. because all they have to do now is take my embryo out of the freezer hopefully it defrosts to look pretty much like a fresh one yeah and then they only have to get my womb ready and my lining ready so my drug intake will be a lot it's less, less isn't it? yeah yeah so the frozen embryos are just as successful as a fresh cycle there's there's very little in the percentage difference it just depends on the person and i always trust the, the doctors i probably know so much now that i wouldn't ever go ahead with a fresh cycle again i'm like yeah. no no fresh for me they're just I'm, I'm you're asking your body I suppose at that point to do just too much yeah yeah that and makes mentally sense mentally as well yeah mm. I kind of got so good <laughs> there was times in the clinics I'd be like we're just going to put you on but like no I, I was on that before nah that doesn't work for me because there's so many patients and so many clinics mm-hmm. and so you're just you're, you are a number like as harsh as that sounds and to a certain extent like they have a job to do and like you know they, they have to turn around so when you're booked in for a fresh cycle they'll only cancel you if you kind of you know in other words it's not like a hair appointment they can't ring somebody and ask them to come in and take your hair appointment yeah you're booked in to you're booked in for surgery they don't really want to cancel you if there's you know there's a 60 percent chance that you they can you know they'll bring you in yeah. I believe yeah. and I understand that because it's thousands of pounds worth like they've weeks and weeks in advance because IVF is so medical they can pinpoint in six weeks time you're more than likely on the Tuesday or Thursday going to be going for transfer so if they had to cancel that that's a couple of grand because you're paying for your transfer yeah. so that's a couple of grand that's been cancelled so yeah. yeah so what has been has there been any surprises as being a mum? Is there anything that you just went wowzers? That's I didn't think this is an experience or. 
I did you have postnatal depression? Oh, absolutely. Yeah, and <laughs> I never knew. It wasn't until I was reading about you that there's a stat out there that it's one in four women that have IVF experience postnatal depression. Hundred percent. So you find it so hard to get pregnant. You're pregnant, and then you're statistically more likely to get postnatal depression. That 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 journey is just for an it's an emotional roller coaster. I remember people constantly telling me how lucky I was. Oh my God, you're so lucky. You are, like, literally every day, so lucky. And I was like, yeah, but she's actually lucky too, like. And I felt so hard to struggle. Mar, I honestly think that the woman is 100% responsible for their child. I feel that men think that so I don't I believe that Mark is 50% responsible for pets yeah. so I literally used to say if he said to me what are we I'd be like what are, what are you going to do like Mark obviously Mark I'm a stepmother so Mark isn't with was never with the mother of his child Ellie so he never had to co-parent in the same house so he used to be like, I'm off out. And I'd be like, and who's minding Beth? And he'd be like, what? I'm like, did you get somebody to mind Beth? And he'd be like, oh, you're minding. And I'm like, oh, no, no, you own 50%. Literally took me about a year. He'd be like, what's Beth wearing? I'm like, I don't know. What, she, what is she wearing? Literally now, he's the most hands-on father you'll ever see. My friends do be like, what the hell? Because I literally drilled into him that she is actually 50% your responsibility. And he 50% collects her, 50% drops her. If I'm like, it's not like I have to organize a minder if I'm working, we do everything together. It's like right at the end of the week, we're like, right, Monday, Tuesday, and Thursday, I'm bringing Beth, yeah, Thursday, Friday, and Saturday, you're collecting her. Like, it's such a team. Yeah. Whereas it wasn't, it really wasn't. And I see it all the time with women. They're like, um, oh, I've asked a mom to mind the child because I'm going out. I'm like, why didn't you ask your husband or your partner? Like, or? Yeah. So I, I really struggled with like making sure that Mark was doing 50% and I didn't excuse it. I was like, I'm working as well. He'd be like, but I'm working. I'm like, I'm working too. Yeah. So, yeah, and then the whole thing about me being so lucky all of the time, I, f- I was like, yeah, I am lucky, but I need 10 minutes to myself. Yeah, and I, I wonder is that why it's a higher percentage for people with IVF because then we know we're lucky that we have a baby, but that doesn't make it any easier when you become a mum. So everyone's telling you, you're so lucky, and you're like, well, I didn't get, you know, I'm still new to this, and, and yeah. it's still going to be hard for me. But you can, you can experience two emotions at one time, one being this is being a mum is really hard and the second one being I'm so happy this happened but they're they're you know they run parallel so you can have both of those emotions and that's totally okay but I think people expect you just to have to be one dimension and yeah. just be ignore the fact actually this so is a huge transition yeah IVF or not like it's yeah you're new to it and they're new to us hello like I didn't just pick up a bike and cycle it I had to learn yeah I didn't pick up the scissors and start cutting people's hair. I also had to learn that. I had to learn to become a mother as well, like yeah. and wife and friend and sister and all them things. Like they're all learned. And even learn to like that you were saying, like learn to co-parent. Like it's a whole 
something like it. The whole I experience. Used to say, how is he? How is he so stupid? And my mom was like, "Did you not realize that?" And I'm like, "No, because I never depended on him for anything. Yeah. And now I'm dependent. I'm like, what are you doing?" <laughs> I remember saying to Ben in the early weeks, "Please stop asking me questions. I don't know the answers, so we're just figuring this out ourselves." That so, is so true. That is such a good point. So it's that time in the episode that I'm going to ask you three questions. Okay. What would you tell your pregnant self? Enjoy it. It's a creation that not everybody gets to experience. What one product could you not live without? Well, obviously my IVF journal, <laughs> because I feel that that's why I brought that out because journaling through your IVF cycles so important because it's such a daze and to show your child so yeah and just a journal in general like i have a journal navigation coach girl tara she invented a journal last year and i got it for christmas and it's been my savior to write things down to 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 be kind to myself to pencil things in for myself i think journal like whether it's a little notebook to write something in or a calendar to communicate with whoever I think it's it's a really good thing to have it's such a simple thing yeah and what has been your magic moment becoming a mom definitely like I, I you could take every part of me and every materialistic thing away from me and leave me with my daughter and I would be quite happy Denise you've been a pleasure to sit down and talk to your honesty is refreshing and I'm just so delighted that you've Beth after trying for so long and I think it just shows that if someone is in the middle of a journey that there is light at the end of the tunnel for not everybody but you're an example of, of just kind of keeping the faith and things align. Um, so thanks so much for coming in and taking the time. Thank you for listening to today's episode of For All Mankind. If you would like to rate, review or subscribe, please do so. If you would like to send me a message, please email forallmankind at gmail.com or find me on Instagram. And see you on the next episode of the podcast.